0: Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Man, full house. God, God did a, a lot of stuff already in first service. Come on, your family members giving their life to Jesus. First service. We had another couple hundred people at church at the 9 a.m., and uh, I just want to encourage you. We do have a service at 9 a.m., so if any of you want to want to make some room there and you want to give a little er- earlier, you can go there. Uh, we, we, will, we serve better food at 9 a.m., coffee's better, everything's better at 9 a.m. Uh, I preach better here to you guys. I don't know why I like y'all better, but... Um, Anyway, uh, it is good to see God doing some amazing things in the house. EXO uh, Conference was this weekend. Anybody anybody enjoy EXO Conference? What an amazing weekend. That's our, that's our annual marriage conference we do. And so um, two days of just intense teaching and, and fun and activities. We had a roller skating rink out back Friday night. and We had uh, french fries and hamburgers and malts and shakes and roller skating. So it was an old school date night. And um, If you didn't get to go this year, you'll make it to heaven. I promise we're praying for you. And uh, you, can, you can check it out next year. I, I just really believe God's been doing a lot in our marriages. and I, We're in a series called Soulmates and uh, we're gonna end that today. Uh, but I just really pray that the Holy Spirit does some supernatural stuff in your relationship and in your marriage. And you might not be married; you might be looking to get married. Uh, if you're single, usually I have your your hands up in the air, and then y'all can look around and find somebody if you're single and ready to mingle. I'm not going to do that today because we're talking on conflict, and so we need you just to absorb absorb everything today and learn from our mistakes. Um, somebody said uh, I, I had two messages prepared: I had a message on um, sex, and I had a message on conflict. <laughs> and so I was going to let you all. I'll choose and take a vote. Um, uh, I asked my wife which one to teach on. And, uh, she, she gets, whenever I teach on sex, she gets a lot of like sympathy and uh, everybody's like, I'm so sorry. He said that. And you know, I'm so sorry. So she was nervous. I was going to say some things. She's like, maybe you want to teach on conflict, you know? And, uh, if I took a vote, probably half the room would be sex, half the room would be conflict. You know, I don't know which one, uh, what, what gender that might be. I'm not going to stereotype anybody. Um, But, uh, uh, one guy said to me, he said, uh, well, isn't sex just conflict resolution? I was like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) Uh, you want to do it. (laughs) Everything's fine now. (laughs) Um, no, so we, uh, but I will tell you if you get conflict resolution, right, you'll have better sex. If you get conflict resolution right in your home, you'll have more intimacy and you'll have some things healthier in your home. So, uh, we're going to look at some scriptures today and we're starting a series next week. It's going to be a really good series called here comes my good friend, Judas. Yeah. It's interesting how Jesus dealt with Judas. And so we're going to look at like some of the Judases in our life and how they get us to our destiny more so than our friends. Sometimes. It's going to be a powerful series. So uh, Colossians 3.15, the, the, the scriptures say this, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other and step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. How I many you know that's a problem in our world? It's a problem in our culture. It's a problem in our in our own hearts. It's a problem in our lives. It's a problem at work. It's a problem at church. Just going off and doing our own thing. Some of y'all are like, I'm not, I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm my own person. No one's gonna tell me anything. Come on, don't look at anybody. Um, but But this, Paul has to say it. Uh, because there's an issue with it. None of this going off and doing your own thing. Listen to this. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the word of Jesus, the gospel, the word of Christ, the message, have run of the house. Let it have run of your heart, run of your church, run of your business, run of your home. Let the word of Christ, let the, the word of God have run of the house, giving it plenty of room in your lives. I think sometimes we crowd out room for what God is saying or what he wants to do because we want to have run of our own life, run of our own way. And so this is a very powerful verse when it comes to being in tune and being in step. If you're gonna have healthy relationships and healthy marriage, you're gonna have to work at being in tune. Being in tune doesn't just happen. You have to tune a guitar. There's tension on the strings, conflict has tension, but God wants you to be able to tune that, walk in step with one another. If you're gonna walk in step, you have to intentionally begin to like get side by side and walk in step. There's gonna be some friction and tension. It doesn't mean you're gonna be exactly alike, say all the same things, like all the same things, but God God saying you're going to have to work at letting the message of Jesus have run of the house, letting it have room in your heart and actually being in step and in tune with each other. Here's what the, the Bible says about fights and conflict. And here's, I want to, I want to set this message up before I deal with conflict. I want to talk about where do fights come from? Where does conflict come from in any relationship on all of humanity? Where does this stuff come from? And, and, and the Bible tells us where it comes from. And many of us say, well, you know, it's just a bad day. It's just a little selfishness. It's just a little issue. It's just, it's just a little personality quirk. It's just a little trait. And the reality is there are no marriage problems. There are sin problems. Where does it come from? Where do the fights, where does the conflict? It comes from sin. I know that's not a popular word nowadays, but the reality is, it, it's not like a trait. It's not a quirk. It's not cute and quirky. It's not just how they are when they have a bad day. And we have to say, it comes from sin. We we have sin. It's If I... I wouldn't be a good dad to my kids if I never told them, don't play in the street. The street is dangerous. You die in the street. As a pastor, it's good to tell you, here's a, here's a theology. There's a theology of sin. I'm going to give you a theology of sin today before I get into how to resolve conflict because we have to know the root, not just the fruit. Yeah. Selfishness is the fruit, but, but the root is sinfulness. Sinfulness. And so I know it might be a little heavier than usual. I don't usually preach and teach on sin. I'm a grace guy. I love the grace of God, but it's the grace of God that teaches us not to sin. It's the grace of God. Paul said, God forbid that now that I've experienced grace, should I just keep on sinning? No. I say it this way. Grace isn't just a pardon. It's power not to sin. It's a pardon and power. And so I tell my kids all the time, it's not just a pardon. Yes, you have a pardon when we mess up. I repent. I get it. But you have power to live for God. And so we have to know where this stuff comes from. It's not a marriage problem. It's a sin problem. James 4, 1 says it this way. What starts wars and fights among you? Is it not because you want many things and are fighting to have them? Many things apart from what God wants. You're fighting to get certain things in your life. And so there's fights and conflict. Sin is the root of all conflict, of all fighting. There's never been a war waged except in the heart of a man or woman first. There's never been a war waged. On planet Earth, what we're seeing in the planet, what we're seeing in the earth, the wars and the pain, it goes back to the garden of Eden, it goes back to sin. It goes back to the heart of humanity. And here's what you have to know: Sin is not a decision. It's not a moment where I miss the mark. We say the tip definition of sin is missing the mark. If you just miss the mark, you just you just miss it a little bit. No. Sin is not a moment, sin is not a decision, sin is a disease. Here's why this is important for you to get in your heart and understand this is going to change the way you look at sin. It's not just a momentary thing or where I messed up for a moment. Yeah, that might've been a sin and you can repent and and God can heal that. He's already paid for all sin, but, but sin is bigger than that. It's a disease that actually wants to infect every area of your thinking, every area of your heart, every area of your mind, every area of your relationship, your children. It doesn't just stop in the moment. It wants to permeate and infect everything around us. And so you have to understand how that came about. Genesis three, this is Satan's tricks. It's what he did in the beginning of mankind. It's where sin entered. It says in verse one, now the serpent was more cunning. This won't be on the screen. So if you got your Bible, say, I got it. If you need to turn it on, turn it on, get your phone out. This is what it says in Genesis three, one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, see how he already twisted. I didn't even see this first service. See how he already twisted. God said, don't eat of one tree. See what Satan said? Did God say you should not eat of every tree? See how it just just flipped from, from you can't taste that one tree to you can't taste every tree? Did God truly say you can't eat of every tree of the garden? No, I can eat of any tree of the garden. Except that tree. Did God really say? I mean let me just put that saying just put a little doubt. Just did God really say that you need to love your wife like Christ loved the church and lay your life down and be crucified for her and, and, and care for her and love her like Christ loved the church? Did, did did God really say that you need to submit and honor and respect your husband and, and 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 be bring your your power of your gifts under his mission and the mission of that? Did God really say you can re- repent and forgive? And did God really say to walk did God really say like that, that you have to forgive them because what they did to you, did God really say? He's, he's just beginning to put doubt. That's where he starts. The God would say, and the woman said, We may eat of the fruit of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the servant said to the woman, You will not die. So just a, just a straight up now went from doubt to unbelief. First, he, he the servant causes us to doubt God, to, to doubt what he said, to doubt the boundaries, and then, then just takes us right into, I don't believe it. You won't die. That's a lie. God lied. You won't die. And here's the thing. Sin doesn't send us to hell. Unbelief does. Sin has been paid for, forgiven past, present, and future. All your mistakes, all your, all of it, all the shame, all the regret, all the mismark, all of it's been paid for. Satan's job is not to get you to focus on this. Just the moment of the sin. His job is to get you to not believe God. And so we go from this place of blurred blinds. Did he really say to now, uh, God, you're not going to die. He lied to you. So the, when the woman, so now here's what happens when you start to not believe God. Now the woman saw that the tree was good for food. She's like, it looks good. I Man, that stuff looks good out there. It was, it was good It was good for food. Pleasant to the eyes. Man, it looks appealing. Man, they hot. That's sexy. Like, that's all, you know. It's just a little TikTok deal. It's just a little... Text message. I mean, y'all won't believe the stuff that I, I hear about from even just married couples about sexting and texting and different people and relationships. I mean, that's the world we live in. Y'all yeah, don't look at anybody. <laughs> but, but, but we begin to believe that it's okay. That it's pleasant to the eyes. And then it even says, and the tree is desirable to make one wise. I mean, you just need to live a little bit to be a little wiser. It's just a little street smarts. It's just, I got to experience some things to get some knowledge, to get some, I got to, you guys will be guys. Girls will be girls. You know, just, oh, I just need, no, 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 no. What you're doing is you're not believing God. And now what's happening is here's the progression. Here's the progression of the disease. You doubt God. Did God say he blurs the lines? Come on. I'm going to come up now with my own lines, my own boundaries, my own rules, my own. If there's no boundaries, there's no blessing. All all that happens when you take the banks off of a river is destruction and a flood and and, and a a swamp. What lives in a swamp? Junk. It'll eat you. (laughs) Poisonous stuff in swamps. So when you take the boundaries off the river that flows with blessing and life and transportation and commerce and all of that in our life, and you just make no boundaries. Now, all of a sudden, you just have this cesspool of death. And so, what's happened is the enemy's blurring the lines, and now we begin. I do not want to come up with what's right for my life. I do not want to figure out the moral code and the moral standard and what I can touch and what I can't touch. I need God to tell me. And so, and so we blur it. And then from our, from being blurred, now we go to unbelief. Like God really didn't say that I can do what I want. I can make my own rules. It's not that big a deal. It's okay. I can see that, watch that, do that, smell that, snort that, look at that, love that, send that text that it's not that big a deal. And then the disease here's, here's, here's the ultimate spot. The disease lands. When you eat of it, you'll be like God. So the ultimate desire from the disease is self-sovereignty. The ultimate desire of the disease is to be on the throne of self where I make my own rules. I make my own decisions. I don't listen to anybody. I'm right all the time. And the problem with self-sovereignty, when you sit on the throne of self-sovereignty, everyone has to serve you. Everyone has to feed you. Everyone has to give to you. And sin never serves. And no healthy relationship can happen unless we're serving one another. No church, no business, no family, no home can live healthily if we're not serving one another. So I had to deal with the conflict of sin and where sin comes from. Because selfishness is not the, the root. It's just the fruit. Sin is the root. Here's the thing. You can't be selfless and selfish at the same time. And so if we get to the root of it, then we can begin to actually go, you know what? I missed the mark. It's okay. We can begin to give it to God. A hundred percent of the time, the conflict in your home, the conflict in your heart, the conflict at your work is due to sin. It's just the reality. And here's why I'm making a big deal of it. Because if we minimize sin, we maximize the sting. If we make it smaller, the sting gets bigger. But if we make sin a bigger deal and we're like, man, this is, this isn't just, here's the thing. If selfishness isn't sin, you don't need a savior. (laughs) Then you just, you just need a better day. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I I just need a better week. No, you need a savior. Come on. Anybody need a savior in here? Can we give it up for a savior that we have that saved us, set us free? Man, I'm thankful for a Savior. Man, I need Him every day. And so, so we we can't see grace if we don't see sin. So while there's a mirror that I see. Okay, here's what I need to understand. Here's the way to combat this disease. Number one, self-awareness. Now, this doesn't mean going around. I am wretched. I am wicked. I am no good. I'm just a sinner. That's not what this means. That is just pathetic. Come on, I'm a conqueror. I'm a victor. I'm an overcomer. I'm a champion. I got the blood of God in my veins. I shall live and not die and declare the works of God. Uh, you know, just you could, you, I, that, I, that's a strength in us. But you need to be aware every day that you need a savior and sin is in your members and that you can go crazy in any day, any day of the week. Come on. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm saying? Your flesh don't play. Like the Bible says we have sin in our members. It's in, until we go to heaven, there's sin trying to to do work in our life. And the Bible says, thank God, Jesus crucified sin in the flesh. He died in the flesh and killed sin so that we could be alive in Christ. But we have to be in Christ, crucifying the flesh where the sin nature or the sin members live. Does that make sense? So I need to be aware every day that I need a savior. So number one, I need to know, I need a savior to combat this disease, it's not just a quirk, it's not just selfish, it's not just the way I am when I'm hungry, it's not just hangry. Come on, somebody in Kroger parking lot. Hangry. I'm not a good I don't it's not do not find me in a parking lot trying to find a space when I'm hungry. My wife's like, slow down, babe. She's like, they're 80. I I you know they're Y'all, y'all have heard me preach it. Like I, I parked. Behind, we were at Costco. I, I parked. The, the lady put her reverse lights on and was backing up, and I parked behind her to take the space. She wouldn't move. It, she sat there for like eight minutes. That's a long time. I was sitting there yelling at her for eight minutes. There was one more spot, two places up. My wife's like, "There's a spot right there." I'm like, "That doesn't matter. She should not be in reverse for eight minutes." I was so close to going up and tapping on the window. Here's the thing. I need a, I need a savior. You need a savior. sin. Sin isn't a mess up. It's blurring the lines of becoming your own God. Becoming the one that sits on the throne. Here's the good news. There was no stop sign at the cross. Jesus got up from the dead, dealt with sin, dealt with my junk, allows me to become holy and allows me to become more like him every day and take on his personality. The second thing you and I need is sanctification. It's a big word. It just means washing. That we fall, even as believers, we fall, we get dirty. We need to get back up, get washed off. It means that we need to be okay making U-turns in our life. God, I know I've been going my own way for one day, for two days, for this last week. I repent, God, I turn around. I need a U-turn. I've been going my own way. I need to turn around. It's not just a quirk, it's sin, God. I've been going, I wanna go your way, God. I want to be more like you, God. I need you. I can't do it on my own, God. Would you help me? I need sanctification. I think you need to be okay with making U-turns. And here's the reality. Your future is not determined by the mess up or by the moment. It's determined by how you get up. So the devil wants to tell you the mess up was the finality. No, it's not final. It's how you handle that. How you get up, wash off, ask God to cleanse you. I can't cleanse myself. David said, cleanse me, oh God, and I'll be clean heal me, oh God, and I'll be healed. I need God to do that. You need God to do that. So the point of me putting all that in front of dealing with conflict is you've got to know where the root of where it comes from and know the source and the, the answer to the disease before you can actually get it right between one another. Does that make sense? So conflict, it should produce a deeper connection between married couples or people or friends. It should not tear us apart. Healthy conflict will drive you closer. Healthy conflict will help you build closer, uh, destructive conflict will tear relationships, workplaces, homes, churches apart. God says the key to being deeper in connection is healthy conflict. Lamentation says this. It's an interesting verse about just joy. It says we have no more joy in our hearts. Our dancing has turned to sadness. What's the difference between a couple that has joy and dancing and laughter or a couple that has bitterness and anger and separation and, and pain, you know what the difference is? The difference is how they dealt with conflict. How they dealt with painful moments. How they handled things. And so, here's five ways not to deal with conflict. Five dysfunctional dances I'm going to give you. It says, our dancing has turned to sadness. Here's five dysfunctional dances that will not work when you're dealing with conflict. Number one, the tap dance. Some of y'all tap dancers. You just will not deal with it you're going to tap dance around it. You're just going to whistle and hum and act like everything's fine. You're like, dude, just, I'm not, I'm not dealing with you. Like, isn't it? Aren't we having a beautiful day? I mean, somebody is about to kill somebody like, isn't it great out here? Weather's beautiful. Some of y'all become, have become bedmates, not even talking anymore. Just tap dancing around everything, not dealing with any of the issues. You cannot tap dance and just keep the peace. You have to make peace. You have to talk with each other and you have to not get an around and hide from issues. Tap dance. Number two, dysfunctional dance. The Macarena. That's that dance. We all wish was dead and everybody resurrects it at every wedding and every situation. They, they bring that thing back. Some of y'all bring back everything from 20 years ago. You will not let it lie. And you get into these arguments and you get into conflict and you go find ammunition from 20 years back and, and you, 15 and five years back. And you just begin to use it. I'm not talking about stuff that hasn't been dealt with. I'm talking about stuff that you, you have dealt with and that God is, has healed and, you're, and you use it as ammo or use it on each other. That's the Macarena. Some of y'all, y'all like to do the limbo. How low can we go? And you have a tongue that can cut you have a mouth that can crucify. Come on, you, you're able to cut down. And you, every time you get into an argument, you're doing everything you can with your words to destroy them and to win. Can I tell you that you can win the fight and lose the relationship? I'm a fighter, so I, I've had to learn that I, I, can, I can win the fight and the argument, but then I can lose something that's more valuable and important than that. You know, so I heard someone say, I won a thousand arguments and lost my wife man. And some of y'all need to learn that we can't just go low and cut with our mouths and just destroy one another. The next dance is the shuffle, the shuffle. I'm not going to do any of these dances for y'all. Okay. (laughs) Some of y'all just deflect everything, their fault, his fault, her fault, chef's fault, waiter's fault, clerk's fault. If, if you if you're in a place in your life where it's everyone's fault at every place you go, I've got a, I've got someone in my in my life, a family member, not not close family. <laughs> Y'all be looking at my wife or something. It's not her. <laughs> that every everywhere you, everywhere they go, every story about them, it's someone's fault. And I, it's just if that's you, like I just want to encourage you. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe maybe you need to maybe you need to go, man. What, how am I adding to this? What am I doing? That's causing a problem. This, what do I need? And then you, the last one is the salsa. This is that spicy conversation where you exaggerate everything. You always, you never. Can I just tell you that's salsa, that's exaggeration. If you even say that, if you say you always and you never, you already lying. You lying. Because they probably do it 10% of the time, maybe, maybe 50% of the time. That's bad, but it's not always can't find one good piece, like one good thing. Like It's not always, and it's not never. And so, so all these things do is hurt and harm the relationship. So here's a couple of simple rules that I'm going to give you that we can employ. The first one's a little bit of free counseling I want to help you today with. I've got a few minutes left with you. Conflict rules. Number one, don't attack. Learn how to attack the issue without attacking the person. It's very, very hard to do, but I'm going to give you some tools to do it. James one twenty six says this, if you, co- if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. You say, man, you can claim to know God and love Jesus and all that. But if you can't control your mouth, if you're hurting each other and you're attacking one another, then that, all that stuff's worthless. It doesn't really matter. And I want to encourage you. James also says, no man can tame the tongue. You can't, but the Holy spirit can. Holy Spirit can give you the words and give you the mouth and give you what to say and help you. If you'll just be patient If oh God, or ask for help. I need you to give me the words because I can't tame this thing. This thing's are fire, right? Don't attack. Fight the problem, not each other. Fight for relationship. It's gonna be messy. Doesn't mean you're never gonna be mad. Doesn't mean you're not gonna have emotion doesn't mean somebody might not raise their voice. It doesn't mean that. It just means you're not attacking one another. Here's a, here's a real key on how to do this. When you begin to go through something, use I statements and not you statements. So to avoid attacking, I, I, I don't say you did and you always, and you did that and you do this. That's automatically attacking them and tearing down the relationship. Start with I statements. I Here's, here's what that means. I feel lonely when... I feel insecure when I feel fearful when you this happens or you did this. It took, okay. I feel, guys, you don't know how to do this. Most of you don't know how to do this because you don't know how to identify your emotions. And a lot of, you know, ladies don't know how to do that either nowadays. But the reality is that if you get angry, you've probably skipped over about 14 other emotions. Anger is just a socially acceptable emotion because you're fearful. When you're angry, you're usually afraid. The root of anger is fear. And you're now you're using anger to control your environment and circumstances because it's worked for you in the past to get everybody to do what you want. You're on the throne. You're going to rule everybody. You're going to use anger and anger is acceptable, but some of you now can't control it. you got holes in the walls. You've got things thrown. What you need to be able to do is identify the emotion and be vulnerable. That's underneath that anger. What I mean by that is this, Hey, you know what? When you did that, I felt this way. I felt fearful the other day. It was about a year ago. I went into a, a situation with some people I know, and I was a little upset. I was a little, I was a little angry, and I, I didn't know how to. I didn't know, and I've got a counselor I go to. Is that okay, y'all? Can I admit that in, in here? And can I just say this: if you have a counselor, could you go to a Christian one, please? Yeah, I mean, they're they're out there. <laughs> they're not unicorns. They know the Bible, right? And they have degrees. You can find them. And so, I went to this Christian counselor and. Uh, I'll just tell you that right now. Get rid of any counselor who doesn't know Jesus. Um, and so, so I went to him and I said, I went to this thing and I was a little angry and I, 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 you know, you know, when you go into the room and I, don't, I wasn't yelling at anybody or throwing anything, I was just, I was upset and there was, and I felt rightfully to be so. And, but I wanted to learn how to handle that. Right. So I asked him, I said, well, how sh- should I have even addressed that? He said, yeah, you should have brought that up. That was okay to do. I said, you know, I changed the environment in the room changed a little bit. Why? Why? And I, I, he's like, well, that's going to happen with hard conversations. But he said, here's what you could do. I, he goes, what were you feeling when you went in there? I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I was angry. <laughs> I was frustrated. He's like, yeah, but what were you feeling? I was like, I don't know. I, maybe was I ashamed? And he goes, no, you weren't ashamed because you didn't do anything to be. You didn't do anything shameful. You weren't ashamed. I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this is good to have a counselor. <laughs> he said, he said, you, you, I think you were fearful. I was like, yeah, he goes, because I can imagine if that happened, you were probably afraid that other things might've happened that you didn't know about. And if that happened, you were probably afraid that other stuff happened. So what you need to do is go into the relationship and say, Hey, and this wasn't with my wife, but I'm going to use her as an example right now. Hey babe, when we did that, or you said that, you know, I, I felt fearful when this happened. And what I'm doing now is being very vulnerable with I statements. When you begin to get into conflict, you begin to go vulnerable and you say, you know what? I feel scared. I feel ashamed. I feel I I feel fearful. Now I'm taking my guard down and hopefully taking her guard down. Now, if you're married to a a psycho sinner, they'll destroy your feelings. And we can all be psycho sinners at times, but we're going to repent from that. And we're not going to defa- devalue how someone feels. We're not going to d- dismantle their vulnerability. Does that make sense? And, we're, and when they say, hey, I feel a little scared when this happens. And when you, do, when you spend all the money, <laughs> come home with a boat and didn't talk to me, I feel a little scared. <laughs> That's fair. And you, and you begin, now, you, now you're attacking the root of the problem, not each other. Does that, is this helping anybody? You use I statements. Uh, It's okay. Listen, feelings are legitimate. Accusations aren't. And so be vulnerable. Lower your defenses. Talk to one another. Number two, I got a bunch more to give you. Number two, don't compare. You just like your mom. Don't do it. You just like your dad. Don't do it. Like, I know we all have tendencies, but don't compare. Well, I wish you were like my, like, like her husband. I wish you're like her, that, that wife over there. Stop it. It is not wise to compare amongst each other and like, you don't see all their junk anyway. You know what I mean? And so don't, don't compare to one another. Um, It's just very unhealthy. Don't, don't act super spiritual. (laughs) Could you please read the Bible before you get into an argument and not use it while you're in an argument? do not quote scripture on them and at them. Well, the Bible says be angry and sin not. I see you're a little angry right now. I'm staying calm. (laughs) Don't do that. I used to, like my wife said, you used to like punch me in an argument and then get mad at me for being angry. (laughs) She's like, yeah, you just punched me. Yeah, I'm angry. I don't, not literally. I don't punch her like (laughs) literally. I mean like verbally. (laughs) Can you tell them, babe, please? (laughs) if you're watching online I've never beat my wife I've never hit her a couple weeks ago I was like I've got women at home I was like I don't have multiple women at home I've got a wife and a daughter and I don't beat any of them praise God there's times I've I've been you know verbally you know I can punch her and, and verbally and it hurts her and then I'm like acting all super spiritual like well look at you you're just angry you know don't do that don't act super spiritual. Don't, don't sulk. Come on. Some of y'all stay calm and don't yell, but you make everybody miserable for five days until you get what you want. Y'all know I'm I'm about a one day sulker. (laughs) Don't threaten. Stop threatening with sex, money, divorce. It gets in the subconscious of people's souls and rears its head. It brings insecurity. You can't build a life on that. Don't don't threaten. Stop threatening each other. Throw out the throw out the D word to get rid of the divorce word. They, they interviewed Billy Graham's wife and they're like, have you ever thought about leaving him? She goes, no, but I thought about killing him before. <laughs> That's Ruth Graham. Come on. If, if Billy Graham's wife wanted to kill him, guys, we in trouble. You know what I'm saying? That's Billy Graham. And so don't <laughs> don't threaten death. Um, don't condescend. Don't talk down. Don't belittle. Oh, well, you just missed a right. You just misses. Oh, you're the expert on me now. Huh. Don't do that. Don't. Don't. Sorry. Don't. I've uh, lived here. Um, don't. Uh, don't condescend. Don't confuse the issue. Stop. Stop looking for ammo from yesterday or ten years ago. Stay on the. Stay on the topic of conflict. And uh, here's how to resolve a couple of things. Real simple thoughts. Number one, bring Jesus into it, please. Ephesians two sixteen says this. He brought both groups together to God. Christ finished the fighting between them by his death on the cross. The feud in your home ended at the cross. The feud in your heart ended at the cross. No war has been waged except in your heart. And Jesus paid the price. Jesus won't fight Jesus. Jamie might fight Sandra, but Jesus won't fight Jesus. And if Jesus gets into the home, and if you bring Jesus into it, you can begin to say, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to fight. I want to humble myself. I need help. Number two, talk to God about it. God, I need help. God, cleanse me. God, help me. David said this. David said, my soul, has, I've quieted my soul within me. I've weaned my soul like a child that's been weaned. David likens his soul to a weaned baby. Some of you need to, God, I need you to wean my soul. I need my soul to to quit feeding on anger. I need to wean my soul from regret. God, I'm not going to feed on hatred any longer. God, I'm not going to feed on unforgiveness any longer. God, I'm not going to feed on perversion any longer. It's hurting my marriage. God, I'm not going to feed on that. I'm going to wean my soul. I've quieted my soul. God, help me wean my soul in this marriage where I'm not looking for revenge. I'm not regretting. I'm not doubting. God, wean my soul. Oh God, I don't want to eat from the milk of that. I want the milk of your word and the milk of your truth and the milk of your way. I want to repent and get right with you. God, I want to turn to you when I need to. God, I wean my soul from all that I've been feeding on. I need you. Some of you are looking to your spouse to satisfy the deepest needs of your soul. Only God can do that. And if you're always looking for them, you'll never find God. God, I need you to fill my soul. I need you to quiet me within God, get into this marriage. I want to pray for marriages today and Those of you that maybe are in conflict, or maybe those of you that have come through conflict, God's put a purpose on you to help others. Maybe some of you are wondering if you're even going to make it. Can I tell you, you can make it? David was called a man after God's heart. Before he committed adultery and killed the woman's husband, God knew that was going to happen. God, did you get it wrong? No, I knew how David would be after my heart. Some of you feel like you've messed up too bad and there's no hope. It's not about the mess up. It's not about the sin. It's not about the moment. It's about who's on the throne of your heart. It's about I can turn to God. God, cleanse me. God, help me. God, heal me. God, heal my marriage. I'm taking myself off the throne. I'm bending my knee in my marriage and my relationships and my friendships. And God, would you rule this thing? I surrender. Some of you just need to surrender. surrender. Surrender yourself, surrender your marriage, surrender your mistakes, surrender your future. God, you got it. I trust you. You're my God. You've risen from the dead. And so can I. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you so much. Thank you that you paid the ultimate price for sin. That the disease of sin has been dealt with at the cross. That one drop of your blood could have saved humanity, but you gave it all. You spilled it all out. Blood and water came out of your side, symbolizing birth. You birthed the church at the cross. You birthed the marriage between you and the church. You you birthed the picture of, of the kingdom of God. Thank you for the blood and the water that came from your heart, Jesus. Lord, I pray that that blood would cover our marriages today and that... Any area of conflict would drive us closer. Any dance of dysfunction would cease and we would come tighter and closer. We would walk in tune and we would walk in step through surrender, God. We would do it your way and not our way. If you're in this room, no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you'd say, you know what, pastor, I need to surrender a couple things today. There's some areas that I have on the throne that God needs to take its place. I'm going to surrender that. Would you just put your hand up? Be bold enough to say, you know what? I'm going to surrender that today. I'm dropping that. I'm surrendering that. I'm going to do it God's way today. All over the house. No one looking around just for another second. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've been trying to do marriage or do life or do friendships or just, you've been running your own life. You've been in charge and that, you know, that Jesus did go to a cross and paid for your sin, paid for the disease, died and rose from the dead to give you a brand new heart, to give you a fresh start. Maybe you're in here today and you know, you need a fresh start with God. He took your shame. He took the guilt. He took the sin. He nailed it all to a tree. And then he rose from the dead to give you a fresh start. And if you're in this room, there's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's no guilt. He took all that. There's grace, there's hope, there's a future. If you're here, if you're online and you need a fresh start, would you just, would you just put your hand up to me right now? Pastor, I need a fresh start. Pray for me. Type in online right now. I need a fresh start in God. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your courage. Come on. I need a fresh start today. I want to do it God's way. I want him to be the Lord and leader of my life. That's it. That's as simple as that. He's going to lead my life. I surrender. He's God and I'm not. And I believe he rose from the dead. I'm going to pray a prayer with you real quick. If you made that decision, just pray this prayer with me. We're going to help each other out and pray this prayer together. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me and giving me brand new life. I believe you took my shame, my mistakes, my sin, my my regrets, past, present, and future. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a brand new heart, a fresh start today. I receive you. You're my Lord and you're my Savior. I surrender every area of my life. And I give you this marriage. I give you my ministry. I give you my work. I give you my, my future. I give it all to you. Lord, it's yours. In Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for surrendered marriages. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.